I'm delighted that this afternoon we've got Suzanne Franks here to talk to us. Suzanne is a professor of journalism at City University and uh, head of the journalism department there. Before that, she was director of research in the journalism department at Kent University. She started off doing PPE here at Oxford, went to the BBC, worked in current affairs and political programmes, and then ran her own independent production company for a while. So she's got incredibly broad experience across the media and a perspective both from the professional production side and the academic side. So Suzanne's going to talk to us today about um, its theme of the day for, for those of you who are in this morning's uh, seminar on uh, gender as well, but it's about women on air and finding the experts. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Richard, and uh, thanks, thanks for having me here. I'm delighted to be back. Um, so I, I was a, a visiting fellow here actually a, a couple of years ago, and uh, it's, it's lovely to be back again. Um, uh, and before that, I actually wrote a, um, uh, a short um, um, challenge book here for, um, for the Reuters Institute. And that really sort of, when I became very interested in this area of, um, of women in, in journalism, because uh, I, I hadn't particularly, I mean, I, I worked in journalism, I then taught journalism, but it wasn't something that I'd, I'd particularly dwelt on very much. And uh, um, this, this sort of really whetted my appetite. So hence the, the, the work I'm going to be talking to you about today. Um, and similarly, having um, now been for you know, at least half a dozen years in a, a journalism academic role as, as opposed to a practitioner journalism, I had noticed um, that the predominantly, the, the classroom, when you look out at the, the classroom, I don't know if this is all your experience when you study to be journalists, um, if you look, look into, into those who are actually studying journalism at the sort of lower, lower levels and the students, it was a pre predominantly female um, you know, cohort. But then I began to wonder, so why is that then not replicated at, at uh, you know, the sort of later stages of, of journalism? And that, that was what sort of um, inspired inspired me that sort of finding that out and, and sort of coming to, to doing some research on that was was really what, what inspired me to, to write the book that I did um, for Reuters um, and all those I mean I'm, I won't go into that now but there were all kinds of interesting things came out of that um, what we call and I, I know that um, Caroline's talked a bit about this already um, today so I, I don't want to um, duplicate on that but this this whole idea about whether you what we call horizontal or vertical segregation the idea that um, women um, disappear as you go higher up the pyramid in journalism. There's lots and lots of them at the students and, and starting, the starting um, jobs. Um, but then also there was a, um, which that, this is all quite well known, vertical segregation, but what, what was very interesting as well was this idea of horizontal segregation, that there's certain types of journalism with there are plenty of, plenty of women, um, these so-called, what they call the pink ghettos, and then other um, parts of, of uh, journalism that there are very, very few women in. So that also was something that I looked at in considerable detail, and that was, that was very interesting. Um, and then one of the other things that sort of highlights for me is, is looking at the sort of the different countries and where the way that women um, are represented in more senior journalism jobs, uh, depending on where you come from. And, and what I found particularly interesting there was that this sort of relationship between the status of journalism as a profession and how many women there are in it, um, the pay of journalism relative to, to other professions, and the, the sort of one of the startling conclusions for me was, for example, in Eastern Europe and in, in a lot of parts of Eastern Europe, Bulgaria and Lithuania and so on, women do really well in, in journalism. They, they pretty much rise up the tree. But then you have to look at what is the status of journalism compared to, to other, um, other professions, the status of journalism versus PR, for example, in those countries. So that, that, that again, was, was something that was um, 
uh, you know, that, I, that I picked up from that. So I, I went on from there, and the, the next um, uh, work that I did in this area, because I, I have some other research areas which is really to do with um, the representation of Africa and the, um, the humanitarian communication, but in this um, area I, I then became quite, so, so what I was talking about before, that certain fields, certain parts of, of the journalism forest you'll get, you know, plenty of women reporting and then some you'll get very few. So I became particularly interested in, in sports reporting and I did some res specific research on that. Um, and in fact, I've just repeated that with, with another student some work this, this year, looking at bylines and who, who writes about sports. Um, I'm not talking about broadcasting now, but, but particularly who, who actually um, fills the, news, the newspapers and the online um, papers of, of, with sports articles. And they, they are, the figures there are absolutely staggering. And the, these most recent figures I've got are literally in the last two or three months. And this was looking right across the, the UK um, newspaper industry, both the tabloids and the, um, uh, the so-called broad, broadsheets. At the moment, as we speak, only 2.5% of those bylines are, are produced by, by female journalists. So that, that's something that is, as I said, I did the first research on that in, at around about the time of the Olympic, the, when the Olympics was in the UK in 2012. And, and I've done sort of return to that subject uh, several times since, because I just couldn't believe what the figures, what the figures were saying. I thought, it's, you know, then surely this is going to change. And, and, and uh, it actually hasn't. So that's something you might want. To, we could talk about a little bit later if, if you're interested. So I, I did a piece last year at the the new um, uh, the next Olympics in in uh, Brazil. So I did this piece for the Guardian about um, women writing about sport. Again, uh, um, the figures were were quite remarkable. So, but what I want to so that's kind of a bit of background and showing my sort of wider interest in in, in some of these fields. But what I want to talk to you about today is another project um, on German. Um, gender and, and journalism, and that's um, something that we've um, been doing at City University, where I'm, where I'm currently based. Um, we've done um, some, some work, which I'm going to talk about a bit more now, which is about women experts, and this is about broadcasting, news and current affairs broadcasting, and who comes on air to talk as an expert. So, first of all, what is an expert? Well, we have achievers in particular areas who are, who are women who, who we interview. One, this is J.K. Rowling, the Harry Potter you're probably all familiar with. Um, this is the woman that won the Great British <coughs> Bake Off, which is a kind of a cookery reality show, and she became a sort of superstar overnight. So that, th these are experts, but they're not people who are you're inviting on to talk about um, something purely based on their, their expertise. They're, they're, they're already kind of... Um, people that you would feature on the news because, because of what they have achieved. And, and similarly, with a, somebody with an authoritative, authoritative job, um, like Theresa May or Angela Merkel, uh, is, is not what I'm, what I'm talking about now. What I'm talking about is when you are um, in the newsroom, in the broadcasting newsroom, and you are going out to seek somebody to talk as an, as an expert, as you know, hundreds of times a day, um, people are put, put, put on air and to comment, to comment on the news. So you could say that, well, you know, you can't have, you know, the Pope here or the Archbishop of Canterbury, um, this is the Archbishop of Canterbury here, or the Pope 
whatever, or the president of Syria, or whatever, you know, it's not my problem as a journalist if, if those, are, those are men. We have to feature them because, because they are who they are. And that, you know, that's, there's nothing we can do about that. You can't, can't bl blame me as, a, as an editor. But what we're talking about is when you have the choice of who to go out and comment on the election, on, um, you know, the uh, terrorist incident or, you know, any of the hundreds of other things. And the, the figures there, as I'm about to show you, are actually, or have been, pretty, pretty staggering. And this is something that we can do something about. Um, you know, we can't do anything about who the Pope is. Yeah. Okay. So, so the point about, um, so, so we have this sort of notion of, of, of the pundit or the player. Um, the pundit is the person you can choose, the one who's the, the, the expert who comes to give a view, and the player is the person that you, you, know, you can't control, that, that if the, um, the Prime Minister or the Pope or whatever, they are who they are, and that, that's, that's, not, that's not something that's, you know, if you want to cover the news, that, that, that's just what you, have to, what you have to live with. So, so but, but journalists can choose who the experts are. Um, and... Um, I want to, to, to just refer now, um, so at this point, to something called the, um, the gender, I don't know if some of you come across it, called the Gender Media Monitoring Project. And this is a huge project that takes place every five years um, about who is in the news, who makes the news. And it's been going since 1995, um, when the, the, the big Beijing conference on, on, um, on women. And this, this project um, started with only um, with 70 countries in, in 1995, and now in, in the last one was in 2015, so it's every five years. Um, there were um, 114 countries. And on one day in that year, I mean, they have thousands and thousands of volunteers doing it, they will cover, they will um, summarize the entire news output in, in each of these countries. Um, and the results for that were pretty, pretty staggering. Um, you know, it's worth going into, uh, worth looking at this if, if you're interested in any of this about the um, the, the proportions of, of what of women actually featuring on the on the screen, who they are, what what they're doing. The fact that you know there are plenty of women victims fe featured. There are plenty of women subjects of the news. You know, because they've they've been in an accident or something's happened to them. But remarkably few women. Um, experts is something that came out of that. So that gave us the idea um, to, to start this project, which, which, um, which we did at, at City already, um, five, we started it five years ago. And what the real catalyst for it, for us, um, was that in 2011, in the autumn of 2011, um, the Today programme, which you're probably familiar with, which is the, the Radio 4 um, news programme every morning that kind of sets the agenda in the... In the Okay, so the Today programme uh, in, in, in November 2011 had an, and, and the Today programme at that time had only one um, female presenter, now it's got two, but it only had one female presenter and all the rest were men. Um, so they had a, a male presenter, J John Humphreys, um, doing an item on breast cancer, interviewing two men. Um, and that was... Um, really quite extraordinary. And then, a couple of days later, they did an item on teenage pregnancy. And guess what? They also had a male presenter interviewing two men about teenage pregnancy. Um, so when my um, colleagues and I um, heard, well, particularly my colleague, um, one of my colleagues heard that and, and wrote, a, wrote a piece about it, we, we came up with this idea of, you know, how is it possible that the producers sitting there on the Today programme couldn't 
think that actually perhaps they ought to try and find maybe at least one woman in an item on breast cancer and at least one woman in an item about uh, teenage pregnancy. So what, what we started to do then is um, a whole project about counting who was on the news. So we use students and we do it right across the, um, uh, um, the, the, sort of the, the television output and they are allocated each to, to one programme and they have to count and log who, who is appearing. Um, we supplemented this um, with some surveys of journalists and producers asking them about how they make their um, decisions and you know, why, why they, they choose who they do. And then eventually we also did some work um, interviewing expert women who, who were appearing, but I'll talk about that in a, in a minute. So, 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 sorry, this is going back to the Global Media Monitoring Programme, which was a kind of inspiration for this, this, this every five years, which, which, um, which, which highlighted this fact that you know, women, women are on the screen, but they're on the screen you know, predominant, you know, in much more equal numbers when you're looking at, at victims and so on, rather than as actors or as people that have been chosen to be there uh, as experts. So we, uh, we started monitoring um, from March 2012. These, these were the programmes that, that we started with. Um, and we, in that, that was the first period when we didn't have much resource. I mean, we've now got more resources to do this and sort of more expertise. So we, we looked at these numbers. So you see the Today programme there. That's the one I was just talking about, the one on Radio 4. We, we listened to 41 of them in, in that period, in that six-month period. And similarly, um, we, we just spread out right across... Um, both uh, the UK and so, in sorry, this is one program at Sky News, one program at CNN News. Is it the same? It was the same. It's the same program. Fourteen editions of the same program. It's the same program because that's how you compare it. You kind of try and get the same the same program. Um, you know, on, on several on several times. I mean, this this one, this early one, the the methodology here was was a little bit crude because we don't we just came up with this idea, got the students to do it, and and it was. I mean, it's much more systematic systematic now. But that's just to give you a flavour of what I'm basing the the um, outcomes that I'm going to show you in a minute. So this is what we. So the students were sitting there watching news at ten every night, sort of counting counting up who was on it. Um, and uh, this is what they came up with. Um, these are, so these are the four highlights. These are the big, big programs that, that we looked at. We also, as I say, counted the others, but these, these are the, kind of the, the highlights as, as far as the UK media is concerned. Um, so the News at 10, which is the kind of flagship BBC One program, there were 3.7 male experts to every female expert, and similarly, on the Radio 4 Today program, the one I was just talking about, it was 3.9 to 1. Sky News and... News at 10 were actually worse over that period. There were five, five experts to, um, to every, um, to every uh, female expert. Um, but we were pretty shocked by that, and we thought that was you know, quite, um, quite surprising and uh, something that one could do something about. Um, and similarly, we, we interviewed journalists, um, the people who make these decisions, um, in some face-to-face -face interviews, and then we did surveys about the kind of more junior people that are tasked with, um, that's how I started out my um, working life, you know, work, working on the desk on a, a TV news programme where, you know, all that matters is that you've got to get a sort of talking head on the show by, you know, five o'clock or whatever, and, um, you know, the pressure is on just, just to get somebody who's, you know, sensible person who can who can answer answer the questions so sorry so the overall ratio of, of these four 
four big programs was 4.4 to one. So remember that figure, 4.4 um, men to, to every uh, female expert. Um, interestingly, that I'm not going to talk about this much now because this really relates to my earlier work. We also looked, got the students to look at the ratio of, of reporters. Um, and that was a, this was over one of the later periods. And, and that's quite, quite interesting that, that there was a big variation there across the, the male, and, male and female reporters because that's also part of that gender media monitoring thing. But that's, that's, um, that's just by the by. Um, because what I'm really interested in is where they are able to make the decisions of, of who they invite. Um, and then the other thing that we looked at is that we looked in, in news, at, this is the ITV News at 10, over those 80, 38 problems, we, we then broke it down again horizontally, looking at all the different topics that you had experts to, to talk about. And again, huge variation here. At that, in that period, so I remember we're, we're talking now in 2012, um, for every one expert talking about politics or commenting on politics, there were 10, 10 men. In health, it was only one to two. Um, these are kind of prominent, prominent uh, people who, you know, who were in, in, involved in the news. Just to, to give you a flavour for that, that's Carol Black, who was a um, sort of Dame Carol Black, who was a um, chief medical officer in, in, the, in the UK. Um, so that's really interesting. That uh, this this sort of variation at, the, at that time of, of what what topics that people were people were called, called in to, to, or rung up and invited to speak about. Um, but this is what the, some of the journalists said when we, when we interviewed them, that uh, one of the BBC journalists said, well, you've got to work with what you've got. You know, it's not our problem. We, we you know, we go out there and get, get the, the best people we can. Um, it's, the ITV journalist said, it's our job to hold authority to account, and women aren't in authority. But again, he'd slightly missed the point that actually we're not talking about directly holding power to account in, in this particular um, work. Uh, and the Sky journalist was even worse. My presenter only wants to talk to the top people and they, they aren't women. So again, that's not quite understanding the point that these are people that you're actually, you're actually inviting onto your programme. They're not, what I said before, these players within the news. Uh, I don't know if we're allowed to reveal uh, <laughs> because we had, to, we had to do it all anonymously then. Um, and then, but what are we actually looking for when we're looking for an expert to come on and to talk about something? I mean, you've all watched news programmes. You, you know, what, you know what, what goes on on a live news programme when you have a, um, you know, a, a pundit coming in to comment. Um, and th this is the comments that we, that we got from, again, from, from some of the, the people we interviewed. Um, th this, this is the, the man I just referred to, the one who was the... Um, uh, the presenter on the Today programme, the one that interviewed the, the two men about breast cancer. Um, and one of, one of the comments they came out is they want a sparring partner. You want somebody who's going to be sort of robust enough to come on, and he's a, he's a pretty tough cookie, this guy, who's, who's not going to sort of get, you know, anxious and, and nervous if he's, if he's sort of um, asked, you know, quite, quite challenging, challenging questions. So that was one of the comments. Um, again, this is a, um, a scientist, a, a very... Um, prominent and entertaining science commentator. Um, we want somebody who understands news routines and who provides pithy quotes. So, as those of you who work in, in TV or radio know, um, it, it's quite um, demanding. Sometimes you're just put in a studio, you've got to perform live, you've got to um, sum up uh, an interesting 
an interesting point in, in, in very few sentences and, you know, as, as, as it says here, give, give a pithy quote. So that, again, when, when you're the, the youngest journalist trying to find people to, to come on your programme, the, these are the sorts of things that, are, you know, are, are going through your mind. I've got to find somebody who's really going to kind of come in, not get freaked out by, you know, being put in a, in a live studio under the lights and very quickly having, having to deliver in, in just a few minutes. Um, and then this other com comment as well, you need um, a credible spokesman was, was one of the comments we had. Um, so again, that, that's, that's this idea that you've, you've got to have somebody credible and that, that we can't, you know, we can't risk risks um, uh, inviting someone on who's, who's, who's not going to be deliver. So then we came to our questions. We, we talked to... Um, uh, young, youngish, what we call entry-level journalists, and these are the people who, some of you have probably done these jobs yourself, where you're the one who's kind of, you know, on the phone trying to persuade someone to come in and to, to comment on a, uh, on a on a news story. And we talked to people, we used some of our alumni who, who are sort of at the entry level of um, in, in the big broadcasting organisations. And we said to them, well, this is one of the questions we asked we ask them. So are women harder to get on air? Is it a bit of a problem? You know, you track the woman, woman down. You don't necessarily always go for the, for the you know, you, you work hard. You find somebody new. You don't, don't go through your contacts book and get, get the person that you've always had to talk about, you know, um, I don't know, interest rate rises or um, uh, terrorist incidents or whatever. But, but you try and you track somebody down. You find somebody... Um, and then you, you speak to her, are women harder to get on air? And um, 15 out of the uh, 32 said, yes, they are harder to get on there. And this is something when we went into detail in the questions that we asked them, this was seen as a problem. And we've written, we've written this all up now into an academic article, and you can see some of the quotes in there, which is that, I spent 20, women, 20 minutes trying to persuade this woman that she would be fine, she should come on, you know, she, maybe she hadn't done it before, but she was a great expert on this topic, she just needed to, you know, have confidence in her expertise, and, you know, could we send a taxi to her house, please, and we needed her to come on for the, and after 20 minutes of trying to persuade her, talk her into it, she said no. <laughs> and, you know, that is your dilemma, so when you're sitting there as, I'm sure you all know, under huge pressure to get somebody on for a live programme and you're having to wheedle and to persuade and, you know, talk them into it um, and then after that they don't even say yes. I mean, crikey, who, what would you do next time? You'd just go for your sort of comfortable known equation, the man that you've, you, you know, he's done it many times before, he knows what the score is, you just need, you know, a quick... Um, setup of, of what, what, what the story is and then you know he'll be in the taxi and in your studio and he'll, he'll do a great job so that really was one of the things um, and in, in our research that, that, that we did find that there was this there is this genuine problem that you know even if you find women and you do some more research and there are plenty of women experts out there in all kinds of fields and talk about that in a sec um, you know if they then you know play this game with you and don't you know, feel confident enough to come on, you know, you might as well have not, not bothered in, in the first place. And as, as a young producer with the clock ticking and your boss shouting at you that, you know, I need, I need somebody for the, you know, for the, for the, for the next bulletin, that's, that's not going to play very well. 
And there's this whole, what we, what's called the sort of princess syndrome, which is, has been identified, this idea that, that uh, um, women need to be wooed, this idea that you've got to work so much harder, you've got to persuade them, and then sometimes they still say no. So that, that was very much something that we, we, we've identified and which, um, which we are, you know, have addressed in some of the, the literature that we've written about this and some of the, the, um, the more popular articles that we've done, done as well, this idea that, that, you know, you find the women experts and then they still play this, this um, princess game with you, with you. So, you know, that, that, that is a problem. So what can we do about that? Um, and arising out of that, we, we, um, and arising out of the work that we did, um, uh, we produced part of this report um, through the House of Lords, um, a, colleague of mine was the special advisor and I, I gave evidence to this which is was really sort of highlighting um, these problems this idea that well on the one hand you have women you know firstly you've got to have the producers who are willing to make a bit more effort it's a little bit harder perhaps to find um, a woman to talk about uh, you know defense policy or monetary policy or 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 you know nuclear power stations but they do exist they are out there you just have to work a little bit harder that's the first thing then the second thing is, but, oh dear, when you find them, then they, it's so much harder to persuade them to come on. They're much more um, reluctant. They, they, unless they know absolutely everything about the subject, they're going to say, oh, but I'm, you know, I'm not as good as Mr. X, Y, and Z. Why don't you go to them? Um, and then there's also, which I'm going to come on to in a minute, this, the, the problem about being pushy, that the women that we, we interviewed who, who were doing this, who were coming on as experts, were, were worried that by putting themselves forward in this sort of way, um, and there have been, there, there was a website set up as a result of our work called the Expert Woman Room, and you could, uh, you could um, put your details on there and say what your expertise was if you were in a university or you were... In business or the city or wherever you could put details and, and that became a mass and still is a mass database but women who who are you know doing that are still worried about being seen pushy so on the one hand you have the princesses and the on the other hand you have the kind of oh dear i don't want to be pushy um, and that's very much something that that we highlighted in the um in the evidence we gave to this this house of house of um, lords report which is has sort of summarized a lot of this work um but also, as a result of the, the, the uh, literature that we produced and that we, the, the, so we were doing these surveys, we started, in, uh, as I said, in 2012, and we've done them now in a more systematic way, we've got a bit of funding for it. Um, the BBC responded to this and they started, um, as, as a result of rising out of our work, they started this um, BBC Academy training scheme, for, it was called the Expert Women Scheme. And the original scheme, they offered 30 places, but 2,000 women applied. Um, and these were women who'd rarely or never been on, on television or radio um, to talk about their, their field, um, but felt they would be interested in doing that. Eventually, the BBC you know, saw what demand there was, and they, they um, uh, gave, gave this training to 164 uh, participants. And then we, we then... Um, got to the names of the participants and we emailed them all and we got 31 of them then expended, responded to our questionnaire and that's where I got the, this um, phrase about um, I don't want to be pushy, I don't want to be seen as, as too pushy. Um, that's, as we said, six of them said they were nervous of seeing pushy, of, of, of putting themselves forward. But, and and it was, um, as a result of that, so the BBC did this training scheme in, in 2013 and they just um, did another session, they, they, they ran four sessions and then it shut down. And just um, 
uh, so last year we had a conference based on, on this work and um, uh, Fran Unsworth, who's now very senior in the BBC, announced at the conference that they would reopen this expert women training scheme because there'd been such demand and there was still, they thought, more demand. And we had, they, they, they opened it and they had another one um, just uh, a month ago. Um, so there's still, this work is still going on and there's still more women being trained. But as you can see, if 2,000 apply, there's still a lot more out there who, who would like to do this. And of the 164 participants the, from the previous sessions, the, the BBC did a lot of work following up and they've all, all of them, been on sort of multiple um, news and current affairs outlets, you know, to giving evidence on, you know, hundreds of uh, different topics. So that, that has been a fantastic success. And, it's, and for us, it's great because um, in the world of academia, there's this thing called impact, if you can be shown that your research has impact. So we're very um, happy that our research, just sitting there counting, just getting students to count numbers, um, has, has resulted in, in, you know, in, in a positive change. Um, so as I said, in 2017, um, they, they reopened these expert women courses. They did another one um, here, which, which was, a, again, a great success. They're hugely oversubscribed, but lots of, um, uh, lots of women did get the training and presumably will be on our screens, on our screens soon. So the, the BBC have really sort of taken this, taken this to heart. And of course, it's a very public service thing to do because the BBC train you, but, you know, that means that you could then, you know, feel confident to, to, to be on all kinds of other shows, not, not just the BBC. Um, so... The good news now I want to share with you is that um, uh, the, we did, you know, we, as I say, we're doing this, this research all the time. And these are the latest figures that we've sort of crunched with our um, statistics uh, experts as well. And uh, this is um, until um, a year ago when, when the women, um, the, we'd already, you know, made quite a lot of publicity about this, you know, encouraging women to to put themselves forward, and the BBC had done this training. Um, and the figures now, in this most recent, um, are you know, hugely better than, than they were. Um, so now, um, the worst is the um, BBC News at 10, which is still 3.8 to 1. Um, but the Today programme uh, you know, has uh, considerably improved. And I'm sure that any of you that do listen to the Today programme will have noticed uh, that they have made a conscious effort that the um, from the kind of uh, you know very much from the top and that, I think that's what's what's important here is that it's very much the the editors and that's the sort of interviews we've done have shown this that it's going to the more senior figures have really taken this on board and and become much much more aware of this they then put pressure obviously on the more junior people who are doing the kind of research or booking the guests finding the guests but but this has is something that has been taken from a um, right across um, the UK broadcasting. Um, and I, I know certainly in the ITV, which has made a, a big, if you remember the ITV figures were the worst before, but that, that's made a big, a big improvement um, because there's been a more, more sort of serious um, backing to this by, by the more senior, senior figures in the newsroom. So, um, you know, it's not perfect by any manner, any means. And there's some more, uh, if you're interested, I can point you some more, um, uh, detailed research that we've done which which shows that actually if you're looking at expertise within the population if you look at the number of female judges and uh, women across all kinds of sort of senior figures in in, in UK life actually that they are they don't mirror this they are better the figures are better than this so we should the, the expert figures should be should be tracking what the general expertise is out there in the population 
but when we started this project, our kind of goal was to get to um, that we could we wanted to bring the figure down from 4.4 to 3. So we just about the, the figures just we're just under it. Well, not we, but the broadcasters are just under there. So in a sense, we feel that there has been a change, and there's been a notice, there's been been an acceptance of this. Um, but I'm not saying that it's perfect. And the fact that the, the, these expert women audience um, trainees continued is is obviously a, a sign that you know things we aren't quite there yet. So um, I just wanted to to sort of finish with that. Um, sort of three things to remember from this research. <laughs> um, learn to love pushy women, because they're here to stay. So these, um, the women experts who, who are worried about being pushy, um, they shouldn't see themselves as pushy. And uh, when, they, you know, when they are able to put themselves forward, they should, they should be pleased with that. The broadcasters should, should be pleased, pleased with that as well. Um, so that's the first thing. The, the second thing is that, um, it, it is a matter of not just the kind of editor or the, the you know the editor in chief of the program just sort of shouting oh why can't you go and get me a woman to the more junior people it's that's really quite unfair because as I said before you know if if the pressure is then that you know you're up against the clock and you're spending 20 minutes trying to talk to somebody who who then is too shy or nervous or um, doesn't feel confident that they know enough to appear that that doesn't help anybody. It's the, the fact that processes need to be put in place, like the training that I, that I just talked about, which has had a real, real effect. Um, so the kind of junior journalists, you know, if the, if the, if the environment is right, if the kind of uh, the ground rules are set right for them, then, then they can do their, their job properly. But it's not just the, the fault of the, the most junior person in the office who, who can't find, find a woman on, on demand, you know, with, within the next 10 minutes. So, so that's, that's another thing that's a, a sort of conclusion that we've come to out of this research. Um, and I suppose the, the last thing is that um, it's just really a matter of counting and complaining, because this research did just start... Um, you know, based on the, the gender media, media monitoring project, which is very much a counting exercise, we, we just literally got, got students to sit there and count. And that's, that's how we got this whole momentum going. Um, we wrote up what had happened. I suppose we complained, but we tried to encourage um, audiences to complain. And, to, and I, as I say, I've got more, I have some more detail on that if you're interested. But uh, we got a sort of momentum going. And... It was really on the back of that, that that things have changed. Not hugely, not dramatically, but I think there are there is a kind of recognition now that um, you you now wouldn't uh, it would be unacceptable on the Today programme to have a breast cancer item, um, you know, with, with just three men on it. So I think there had there has been a genu genuine change, and um, it's quite interesting that that this has kind of you know changed changed in a sort of in a wider culture, and I hope it will go on so. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.